forward to today because I get to introduce to you a friend of mine. Uh, Pastor Mike Gowans and his wife Julie, they've been good friends of ours for a number of years. They pastor a church in uh, just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, I, But I, before I introduce him, I want to just tell you how to receive a, uh, somebody who's speaking from out of town. So the reason why we invite people to come from other places is they, uh, people have a gift that's inside of them that they want to be able to give to us. And this uh, couple has an amazing gift of faith that I would like us to be able to receive. So the way that you do that is you're not, uh, you're listening to words, but you're also having a posture of receiving what this person is trying to bring to us. Do you understand that? It's a little bit spiritual and mystical, but it's powerful because God has put gifts inside of people to give to us. And I really wanted the gift of this couple to be uh, put inside of us because I think there's something very unique about them. Uh, if, there's, if there's anything that I can say about Pastor Mike is that he is a man of faith. And sometimes I feel in Vancouver that we're a little short on that. We, uh, you know, we think a lot and we process things, but sometimes it's difficult for us to simply believe. And so uh, I've asked him to be able to speak on a theme that's going to allow that to come out. And I really think that God's given you a message for us today. And so could we please invite him as he, uh, welcome him as he comes forward. Thanks. Well, Merry Christmas, Vancouver. It is a joy to be here. Um, this year is our 20th year of marriage, my wife and I. And so we decided August 1st uh, that we were going to take the entire year to celebrate. And so uh, we're here celebrating and uh, all, all year long, we're going to be celebrating our 20 years. And Sweetness, would you stand for a moment? Come on, look at this gift. So uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the promise of Christmas and how God is a promise maker and how God is a promise keeper. And you just saw a promise made and a promise kept by God. When I was 18 years old, I thought I was going to get married because I had gotten saved at uh, age 15. And I had uh, given up dating. My you know, massive dating life I gave up um, <laughs> to trust God because I thought this makes no sense to date when I'm 15 because... Uh, where are we going to go when we date? And uh, what are we going to do? We can't uh, be married. And uh, so at 18, as I prepared to go to university to wrestle at Michigan State on a scholarship, uh, I was in Pennsylvania for a service, and I was ready to get married. I was 18 now, Jonathan, and 18 marked the date. Um, <laughs> that I thought I, I would get married. And um, while I was in Pennsylvania, I went to a church that my brother who'd played professional hockey, he was there and he was attending a church. And at this church, they uh, prayed and they prophesied over people a lot. 
And I was there in the, in the service, and I was standing or and sitting, depending on the time of the service. And I thought, I, I'm going to get a prophecy today. And I started freaking out. Because I thought God was going to call me, Dr. Greg, to celibacy. I, I mean, I thought they're going to they're going to they're going to call me up at some point of the service, and uh, God's going to call me to this supposed gift of celibacy. And um, I, I no no joke, I was freaking out the entire service. I have no idea what the pastor preached. Um, I was just worrying about this word that I knew I was going to get. And there I was, sure enough, at the end of service, uh, there were three ministers that uh, called me forward out of the crowd, and uh, they started to prophesy over me. And right as they began, they stopped and they just laughed, or at least one of the ministers laughed, and he said, <laughs> you don't have to worry, God has an incredible wife for you. And then I went, <sighs> And after that, it didn't matter. Like, it just didn't matter. But in that prophecy, actually, was some direction uh, and some things that were speaking of the future. There were things that were speaking of my past and things that God had done just to confirm that God was there. God was there. He, and God is here today, church. The Bible says when two or more are gathered in his name, he, he is there. He is here. And that's one of the promises of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. God says in his word, he says, God inhabits the praise of his people. If the promise that when two or more are gathered wasn't enough, there's another promise. That when we, uh, when we praise God, when we worship God, the Bible promises that he will inhabit those praises. So uh, let everything be established with two or three witnesses, two promises. God is here. God is in this place. Amen. And so during this prophecy and this uh, was going on, it was just so relevant, so confirmed that they were anointed and God was speaking and God, they were prophesying promises over my life and, and things in the future. And then they actually spoke of something that would happen many years from now. And, and, uh, and then at the end, they, they said this, God is asking you to a season Another season where you won't date. Now, you don't have to do this, but if you do, God promises that he will give you exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond anything you could think, ask, or imagine. Now, that's really good news because I can think, ask, and imagine a lot. <laughs> and truly, they said, give God until you're 25. This was the word. And I said, okay. Okay, God. Because up to that point, I, I realized something about God. God was good. As we sang about that today, he's a good, good father. And the journey from age 14, 15 to 18 is I was discovering how good he was. And I was willing to start another journey to believe the promise of God, to believe the word. Because God, as you know, Dr. Greg, and Debbie, they're some of our favorite people, some of our best friends, and the whole, the whole family we love. And it's a joy to have hosted them in Arizona. And I appreciate you allowing Dr. Greg to come and Debbie to minister to our church because they've been 
an unbelievable blessing to us. In fact, he Skypes in and speaks at our Bible school. Um, he's one of my, my favorite Bible teachers and theologians and uh, has changed my life and, um, in, in so many ways. And, um, but this morning, I, I want, I'll, t- I'll tell you what my, my, my prayer was. When I woke up this morning, the Lord shifted some things around in my message. Just same text, same Christmas text. We'll get to it. I've, uh, I've got short messages, long introductions. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, I hope, um, and the thing that I learned from Dr. Greg is that uh, God is all about relationship. He, in his essence, is relationship. And he created you and I for relationship. And in order for a relationship to be deep and wide and long, uh, there's something that he desires. There's an ingredient, Dr. Greg, that you've even taught me that um, must be present for a relationship to be strong and, 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 and deep, and that's trust. And, and God, um, God is all about us trusting him. He wants us to trust him. And my hope and my prayer today is no matter how, what level that you're trusting God with, that you'll walk out trusting him deeper. No matter what promises that you're believing in and trusting and putting your faith in today, that you'll walk out with new promises from God. For the Bible, there's over 7,000 incredible promises and see, when you realize that, you'll never look at the Bible the same. When you realize that the Bible is not a book of do's and don'ts, and, and, and sure, it does tell us what to do and what not to do, but not for the reason many people think. Not because God is trying to keep you from having fun, but, but God created fun. God created pleasure, and he knows what's best. It's what I have found, and I had... I had some good times not serving God. I did. Sin was fun. It is. Or none of us would do it. But it's fun for a season. And I'm so grateful that God opened my eyes in June of 1987. He opened my eyes to be willing to take that step of faith, to give him my life and to trust him with my future. Because there was something missing at that time. And the world in, 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 in would tell me I had everything that you could want. You know, at, at age 14, I had experienced it all. No, I hadn't, I hadn't Dr. Greg. But I, I thought I had the life. I thought I had it. I, I was dating the prettiest girl in my hometown. I was MVP on all my sports team, Jonathan. You saw it yesterday when we were playing hockey together, all right? Um, you saw all my skills. We played this what, ball hockey. We felt like it was ice because it was so wet. But, um, man, I thought it was all, I, I mean, I was just I was living the dream, and yet I was empty. I was lacking that peace. That peace that transcends all our understanding. I'm just like, there's got to be more. And, there, and I just kept striving for more and more and more popularity. The prettier girl, you know, uh, another good exam, uh, another championship. And all of it still left me with a lack of peace, with a lack of fulfillment. 
And in June 1987, I finally went all in for Jesus. And I just said, I'll give you my life. I have no idea what that means. That means becoming a nerd for you. Dr. Greg, I was like, all right, I'll be a nerd if that's what it means. If it means whatever it means, I will do it because this life that I'm living isn't doing it. There's got to be more to this life. And so I hope and pray today that you'll hear a promise. You'll hear, you'll, you'll hear a promise and you'll say yes. You'll say amen. You can even say it out loud. I know in Canada maybe you don't do that as often. Back where I'm from, like they, people talk back to me and I love it. It helps me. If you, if you want to get out of here you know, before dinner, say amen a lot. Say yes. Say come on. I mean you can even say come on, eh? You know, like, what, whatever, whatever makes, all right, let's get to the text. Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, verse 10. It's the Passion Translation. I love it. A large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when the incense was being offered at once. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. Now, let me just pause here for a moment. You know, many times you see uh, angels uh, with pictures of like babies, Debbie, with, with wearing diapers, right? An angel is not a baby, but is a, a giant being seven, eight feet tall. He's wearing no diaper. If you see him, you might need a diaper, okay? <laughs> and thus, Gabriel is showing up, and there is some fear there. He's startled. But the angel reassured him, saying, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing you grace, is showing grace to you. For I have come to tell you that your prayer... For a child has been answered. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to name him John. His birth will bring much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him. He will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink. But he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even while he's still in his mother's womb. And he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to God, their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the father to tenderness back to their children and to the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. He will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Zechariah asked the angel, how do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is old, too old to give, to, to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand beside God himself. He has sent me to announce to you this good news. But now, since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time and a child is born to you. That will be your sign. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your amazing love. You're so good, Jesus. God, you proved 2,000 years ago how much you loved us. You so loved us. You proved how valuable we are to you by bankrupting heaven, 
in sending Jesus to rescue us. That was the payment for our souls, for our lives. And for that, we are forever grateful. Holy Spirit, I pray that you prepare our hearts and our minds to believe and to trust you. That we would grab hold of your precious promises. Holy Spirit, move today in our hearts. Change us. That we may believe in the promise maker and the promise keeper. In Jesus' name, amen. Two angel stories. So now let's jump into a better response to the promise an angel brings. The same angel comes now. In verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, an angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear. Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and he will be known as the son of the highest. The Lord will enthrone him as as king, an ancestor of David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever. His reign will have no limit. Mary said, but how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you. And almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy. He will be called the son of God. What's more, your aged aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Verse 37. Not one promise from God is empty of power. For nothing is impossible with God. Not one promise from God is empty of power. For nothing is impossible for God. See, that's a good place to say amen. That's a good place to say, come on. That's a good place. Just in case you were unsure when you should. That would be a very good place. So let me give you another chance. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Yes. That was pretty good. Then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. I will be the mother of the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. 7,000 promises you can find. Over 7,000 promises in the Bible that God has written to man, to us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, says, For all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in Him. And as His yes and our amen ascend to God, we bring Him glory. Their yes. 
If you come to God with a promise, it's yes. It's yes. It's yes. And for us, it's amen. What are you believing for? What are you desiring? You need a promise. Because in this life, it's, it's tough. It's hard. It's really hard. Jesus said it would be. In this life, there will be offense. In this life, there will be tribulation. In this life, there will be troubles. But he said this also. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Yes, amen. Amen. It is hard, but be of good cheer because... Jesus has overcome every problem, every trial, every situation in our lives. We must offer up those promises to God. Paul says here, we offer up these promises and, he's, and the response to those promises as we remind God of his promise, not that God needs reminding, but God loves, loves to, to show himself faithful. And then he says, yes, and then you say, amen. Who wants to please God today? Anybody want to please God? Do you know how you please God? The only way, or rather, let me tell you this. Without this ingredient called faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. Faith and trust are, are very closely connected. I think faith is a, is, is a supernatural competence. And trust is commitment. So we inherit the promises, the Bible tells us, by faith and patience. So it's faith, I believe. I, 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 I believe now I'm going to trust. I'm going to commit to this belief. It's with, our, it's with our hearts that we, we, we believe, right? And it's our mouth that we confess and, and we are saved. This same process that we have become born again, we become children of God is the same process of faith and, and commitment that God desires for us. See, I had frequent altar miles for many years. And what is an altar mile? It's when you get up in, in, in certain parts of the world, people will ask, you, do you want to become a Christian? And if you do, then come on up here and walk down here and, and give your life to Jesus. And, and I had frequent altar miles, okay, growing up in church. I mean, the pastor would get up there and, yeah, I screwed up all week long. And I do believe. And I would walk down and I, I'd come down here and I'd, I want to believe. And, but I walk out unchanged because I wasn't willing to commit my life. I believed. But even the demons believe. And, and, and tremble. But your belief has to, has to become a commitment. There has to be a, 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 a it has to be more than a mental ascent. And I, and I believe so many, so many Christians, they, 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 they make this, um, this belief and they, they, they take what they believe here and they bring it here and they're born again. But then they begin to live up here again. They begin to live back in their minds in this mental ascent. And you will not inherit the promise of God with a mental ascent. 
Many people aren't coming to Jesus. Many people who think they're Christians aren't Christians because they believe here. 18 inches, that's all the distance that it needs to go for you to have the most important decision you will ever make. You've got to take what you, what you believe and think here and you have to bring it down here. And it's in that mystery, in that place of faith, something's birth that's supernatural and it changes you. And the same way that you're saved is the same way God wants you to walk in trusting him. For Hebrews 11.6 says this, and without faith it is impossible to please him. So for those who wanted to please him, who raised your hand today, understand it's impossible for you and I to please God without faith. For we must come to God. We must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Our God is a rewarder. He's, he's, a, he's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. That's who he is. And you go, well, you should just do it because it's the right thing to do. No, you, come on. You think you're that good? I'm not. And according to the Bible, it's insulting to think that you're just doing it because it's the right thing. It says it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you must believe that he is. Who is he? He's my savior. He's my provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the healer. That's who he is. And the more you magnify who he is, the more you magnify who he is, the more you worship him for who he is, it does something. It's, it's one of the, the revelations of believe God gave me. And, and, and just four or five years ago, Dr. Greg, this verse that says, one translation of Hebrews eleven six says, you must believe that he exists. I think it's a poor translation. Of course. Why? I mean, he exists. Like that takes some great, great faith in pleasing him that he exists. No, the King James says you must believe that he is. And it's one of the keys to, to walking by faith and not by sight. It's one of the keys to overcoming the troubles and the trials. Because in this life, we will encounter sickness. In this life, we will encounter needs. We will encounter troubles. And in order to believe God to meet those needs, heal our bodies, heal our emotions, heal our minds, you must believe that he is the healer. You must believe that he is the promise maker, that he is the creator of the universe, that he is a loving father. I don't know what it is this morning that you need to believe about God to trust him. He's good. He is good. He's a good father. He is a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. You got to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. He is a rewarder. So my question this morning for us is this. How will you receive God's promise? Like Zachariah or Mary? We've all walked in one way. Question is, how are we going to walk out? Did you walk in more leaning like a Zachariah? Prove it. Prove it. 
Come on, it's not enough that a seven, eight-foot angel is standing next to me, speaking the very things of my heart. How would he know? How would this stranger know that this is what we've been praying for and longing for? That's not enough. Okay. We'll give you a sign. No talking. For nine months. No talking for nine months. Because I need your commitment. Zachariah, I need your commitment. I need you to trust me. It was really God's love and mercy for Zachariah. To say, I'm going to give you a sign. Because you're struggling to trust me. And come on, can we all just give some grace and mercy? Here's Zechariah. He's old. He's been believing for how many years? And he's maybe been praying with other families and seeing other families receive the promise of children. And long, long. And he's like, here, God, I'm your servant. I've been, I've been working so hard. I've been toiling so long. And you, can you not just give me a son? Can you not just give me a son? It's all I want. And so maybe he just kind of now is going through the motions. But this is what's so amazing about our Father. This is what's so amazing about God. Even when we are stuck in our doubt and unbelief, even when we aren't grateful for the things that God's given to us, he still loves us and longs for a relationship. He's still a promise maker and a promise keeper who he is he is faithful even when we're not but will you receive like Mary like a child I believe one of the keys to being like Mary is a grateful heart so I have an acronym for this word trust today and I'm going to start with the last letter and then come back. And the last letter happens to be the same as the first letter, T. And that T stands for thanksgiving. And the reason I'm doing that is because I believe it's one of the um, ingredients for a heart that can receive like Mary. See, Jesus tells us a parable, the sower and the seed. Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with it. If you're not, it's a story of a, a, a farmer going out scattering seed. And this seed represents the word of God, represents the promises of God. And the, 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 the seed of God's word is incorruptible. It is not empty of the power. It is not empty of the power to fulfill that which it was sent out to, 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 to produce. Amen. And so this seed, is, some is thrown on, the, on, on, the, on, the, on the, the, the path. Some is thrown on, on, on gravel. And others is thrown amongst uh, thorns. And the, and the last is thrown in good soil. And, then the, and the, the, the seed that's thrown on the path is quickly eaten up. It's never been received. But then I believe one is received maybe right here, a mental ascent, the rocky soil. <laughs> we're like, we're not just wooden heads. We, we can be stubborn here, whatever. But it's, it's received with great joy, yes. But it never gets down into the good soil, the heart. 
But then we have that seed that maybe does get into the heart, but the heart can be stray, can stray. You know, this life can bring problems, can bring situations, can bring worries that can choke out that life. So how do you keep the, the heart in good soil? I believe the key is thanksgiving. The key is gratefulness. Because the Bible tells us, instructs us, that we come in to his presence with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. I don't know about you, but when, when, I, when I give a gift to somebody and, and they're grateful and they're thankful and they, and they praise me for it, man, I can't wait to get another gift for them. But Dr. Greg, when I give a gift that I, I've sacrificed to, and taken time and money to produce and all I get is, oh, okay, thanks. There's nothing in me that wants to run out and get another gift for that person. But how about God? When we're grateful for what we have, it's really the key to peace, the key to joy is what are you magnifying? Because all of us right now could magnify some troubling things in our lives. All of us could talk about it. And there's a place to talk about it. But what and how are you fixing your eyes? Are you fixing your eyes on what is above, what is in heaven, what is in the future for you and the eye? Or are you fixing your eyes on your circumstances and your, and your problems? See, it's our responsibility, it's our opportunity to keep our hearts in good soil. Because there's promises that are coming. There's promises today that are being spoken. And if your heart is, 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 uh, is callous you're, you're, you know, and, and you don't get this down into the good part of the, you're the soil of your heart, it won't find root. Because it's by faith. And patience that we inherit the promises. Why is that? Why does God make us wait? Because God wants us to grow in trust. He wants us to grow in our relationship. And it's from the moment that we receive a promise... And the fulfillment of it that we get to grow in our trust, in our depth of relationship with God and others. God is a promise maker. He's a promise keeper. Trust, it's commitment. Yeah, he wants commitment. He wants our commitment. Do you know that God is fully committed to you? He so loved the world that he committed his son for you, for me. God so loves the world. That's the message people need to hear. That God so loves them. And he proved it 2,000 years ago. And he wants us to trust him. He wants us to put our trust in what Jesus has done. And so truth begins, number first, letter T, truth. Trust begins with truth. Guess who's the truth? Jesus is the truth. Guess what the word of God is? It's Jesus. When you open up your Bibles, you're spending time with Jesus. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
Jesus is the word. It begins there. It begins with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. So number two, R in our, our acronym truth is repent. What do we repent of? We repent of everything that's not the truth. We repent of not trusting Jesus to meet our needs, Jonathan. We trust. We trust in him. We trust. We repent when we're trying to meet our needs according to our strength and our ability. Every time, whether it's good, it's every time we're not trusting Jesus, we repent of that. We repent and believe Jesus. We put our faith and trust in the word, in the promises that he's good. I can trust him. He's not against my needs. I've got legitimate needs. God created you and I with some needs. You know why? Because he wants to meet those needs. And if we have a need for comfort, Jesus wants to be our comforter, right? So these trials, these situations that come in our lives are opportunities for us, for you and I, to grow in our understanding to know God as comforter, to know God as healer, to know God as, as provider. He wants us to know who he is. For it is impossible to please God without faith. You must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Amen? You understand. Understand this. You will not understand everything. In fact, the Bible tells us don't lean to your own understanding. I mean, you think about it. Here's Mary in her just innocent heart of belief. Okay, I'm... Angel here, be assured it's okay. Everything's fine. You're going to be, you know, the, the mother of Jesus, you know, you know the Messiah, all of this promise. She's like, okay, how are we going to do this? It wasn't a doubt and unbelief. It was a just, I don't know how because I, 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 I'm not married yet. I, I, I won't do what, you know, your Bible, the, the word says. So how does this happen? And then the angel gives this description, right? And I go, oh, yeah, of course, that's how you're going to do it. Totally makes sense, right, doctor? No, are you kidding me? Mary doesn't understand. What Mary understands out of that response from the angel is this. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Now, the Bible here says this. Don't lean to your own understanding, but it also instructs us to seek understanding. It's okay to seek understanding. In fact, the Bible encourages us. In fact, when you're facing trials of many kinds, the Bible tells us, count it all joy. When you face trials and tribulations of all kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce perseverance and perseverance maturity so that you'll lack no good thing. See, today, brothers and sisters, you're lacking something. We all are. But it's as we go through the trials of life that God expands us. He grows us. And oh yes, it hurts. It's painful. And there is mourning. And there may be crying. But count it all joy. It's a command by James, Jesus' brother. It's not a suggestion. It's count it all joy. 
How do you do that without Jesus? How do you do that without Emmanuel, God, with us? It's impossible. But God has called you and I to the impossible. If what you're believing for today is not impossible, you're not believing for what God has for you. If you can do it in your own strength, your own ability, who gets the glory for that? But when it takes him, the God of miracles, when it takes the promise maker and the promise keeper, then he gets the glory, doesn't he? And he deserves the glory. Speak, S. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 1 John chapter 5, 14, Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Speak. What are you speaking? This is why I believe that God's gift to Zechariah was you're not going to speak. Not only is it going to be a sign that you know that I'm with you because you can't speak, but I can't have you speaking and messing up my promise. See, there's power of life and death in your tongue. I know where someone's going based on how they're talking. I can tell you what direction they're going in based on what they're speaking, what they're saying. Power of life and death is in the tongue. Out of the heart flows what we believe. So who do we speak to? We speak to God. We speak to each other. We speak to ourselves. David was good at this. David was good at also getting out the junk. I, I honestly, I'm still learning how to do this. I'm, I'm, I struggle lamenting. I struggle complaining. It drives me crazy. You know, but I have, to, I have to get real. It's there. If I'm going through something difficult, I go, God, this stinks. This stinks. This is hard. All my other friends are going out having amazing dates, and, 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 and I'm not experiencing that. I have to wait. This is hard. But I trust you. Last month, I had some skin cancer. I had to remove them in, from Arizona, and I, I was born blonde hair, blue-eyed, and had a second home in Florida, and very grateful for the life that I've had, but it has caused some side effects called basal cell skin cancer, and I had to have some removed on my forehead, and I had committed Dr. Greg to preaching for Pastor Israel, a good friend of mine. He has a Messianic congregation, and he was in Israel, and, and I, was, I had the surgery done on, on, on my forehead, and it had swelled up, and it was Friday morning, and I had the swelling had dropped down into my eyes, and I was pretty sure I had to preach that Friday night, so I texted my my good friend Israel, is this the week I'm supposed to preach? And 
And sure enough, it was, and I was hoping, I'll just be real, I was hoping it wasn't. I was hoping there was a way out, and there I was. I just wanted to veg. I just wanted to watch documentaries on Netflix all day. I just wanted to be, you know, sit in my misery a little bit and just feel sorry for myself and then just kind of hope my wife would, would just take care of me and pamper me and all, all day long. That's what I was hoping for, but I had to get up and preach. So I had to get up and I had to trust God. And what did I do? I started thanking him. I didn't feel like it. Man, I looked in the mirror and I, I just looked like I got beat up. And this patch on my head, my eyes are swollen and I'm just like, this, I don't know if you're allowed to say this in, in church, sucks. You know, you're in Canada, you guys say that all the time, don't you? you know. But I just real, this just really stinks. This is terrible. And I'm going to go stand in front of people and they're going to be, what's wrong with his head and his eyes? And then I'm praying and I'm thanking God. I'm thanking him. And then I get in the word and I start, start getting in his word. And I start repenting of my selfishness and my pride because it really was a lot of pride. The biggest thing was about me and how crazy I would look to everybody. And I just go, God, forgive me my pride. Forgive me my feelings. Forgive me. I repent. You're so good. Thank you for giving me a doctor that didn't charge me for the procedure. Thank you, God, that it's not serious. Thank you, God, for the rest of the skin all over my body. It doesn't have skin cancer. Thank you, God. I don't understand why you haven't healed me. I know you're my healer, but I'm not sure why you, you chose to use a physician. That's okay. I'm healed. Now I start speaking. I start speaking to myself. Get up, man of God. Get up. God is going to use you today. Get up. You're going to preach on healing and miracles. Yes, that's what you're going to do. I'm like, devil, you're going to attack my body. You're going to suffer loss. And so that's exactly what I did. Pastor Greg, I got up there and I preached on miracles. I preached on healing. Here I got this giant patch and swollen eyes. And everything out there, why do you lay hands on yourself? I have. 70, 80 people at the end of that service just start coming up. And we prayed for two hours and there were signs and wonders all the time. I've got a patch on my forehead and swollen eyes. How many of you think God was pleased? I don't understand. I don't understand everything. But what I do know is God is good. God is a promise maker and God is a promise keeper and he has promises for you to discover. He's got promises for you because God has created you for great things. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to believe in him and for his promises and in his goodness. Would you bow your heads as we close? Abba, Father in heaven, 
You're good. It's who you are. You're a promise maker. You're a promise keeper. Hundreds of years before you sent Jesus, you promised he'd come and he did. And God, even as we celebrate Advent, we're celebrating that you came. And we're also looking forward to you coming again. But from now till then, there are some promises you want us to receive. There's some promises you want us to walk in, to believe you for, to trust you for. God, it's a good fight of faith. Lord, everyone here, the different places, but God, you're the same. You're faithful, you're good, and you care. You love us. God, no matter how hard 2018 has been, Lord, I pray. Lord, that 2018 will be ended strong with thankful, grateful hearts to enter in to 2019 and let it be the greatest year of our lives yet. We're not asking for a year without problems, but Lord, let us know that you are near, that you are with us. Let us know the joy of our salvation. Let us know the peace that transcends all understanding. Let us know who you are as provider, as promise maker, as promise keeper. So whatever it is, whatever you need to trust him, what truth are you basing that trust on? What Bible verse, what scripture are you basing it on? Turn from where you're not believing. Repent. Don't lean to your own understanding. Seek understanding. Now speak that promise. Believe that promise. And be thankful for God is good. Amen. Thank you so much. Can you, can you receive that? I know many of the women here got to receive from Pastor Julie a few years ago at the, uh, at the women's retreat, and we get to receive from Mike today. I, I think this is such a valuable word that we would understand how to receive the promises of God and not simply think our way through life, but receive through life.